Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. This series is called Our War. Um, it's pretty self-explanatory, um, but I'll kind of go through it. So you see we have a dichotomy going on here. R is in black, war is in white, then the background is in white, and the background over here is... Because we're in this war that people want to pretend like, not pretend, but pretend like, if you understand this, people like to pretend like we're not in a war. They like to pretend like we're playing patty cake in the park. They want to pretend like that the devil is just something we need to joke around with, dress up at Halloween and Grammys Awards. And, um, sorry, that was a cheap shot, but it was true. And so we want to make it this costume figure who doesn't matter, right? But even like the cat who was Michael, the archangel, said he would not, like, insult the devil whenever he was battling the bones of Moses in the book of Jude. It's a little book in the, in the, in the New Testament. If you haven't read it, it'll take you two seconds. Seriously, go and read it. It's awesome. And because Jude was Jesus' brother. But anyway, I digress. He talks about that Michael, one of the most powerful beings in all of creation, did not choose to insult the devil whenever he battled him for Moses' bones. I'm just saying, don't call him stupid devil. He's smarter than you, I promise. He's stronger than you, I promise. He's more wily than you, think coyote. I promise. He's more conniving than you, more manipulative than you, and he's got your number. So if you don't think this is our war, then say it's Alan's war. Say it's Rife's war, but don't say we're not at war. The same reason why he's going to join the military is the same reason why we're preaching this series, is to prepare you. You're not, I'm not in a war. Okay, fine. Until you understand what war is, until you understand what attacks look like, until you understand who your enemy is, then you'll realize you're at war. Then you realize you need to be prepared. You're going to learn a term there, buddy. Man, this is so awesome, Joel, because I'm going to use you all day long, okay? Because they're going to tell you to train as you fight. The problem, reason reason why most of y'all aren't fighting is because you've never trained. Okay, sorry. Pastor, it's going to be a rough message. Okay. Okay. So check it. Put on your steel toes. Put on your big girl, big boy panties or underwear. Sit in, strap in, sit down, and shut up for a few minutes and listen. Because it's literally this kind of message this morning. It's literally this kind of life and death, don't mess with me this morning kind of message. All right. I love Red Bull. All right. Just joking. So Ephesians 6, right? This is going to be like the rooting scripture for this entire series. This is going to be the foundation, okay? This is what we're anchoring to this entire message series, okay? For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of an unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. I like that translation. Boy, we wrestle not with spirit. I mean, like, it's cool in the King Jimmy, okay? But man, does that illuminate it. It's awesome whenever you're like reading thou's and thou's and thou shouts and all that other stuff. But like when you're reading something, you can understand it hits home. Yeah. 
Like, we're not wrestling, okay? And y'all know how I feel about wrestling, okay? I love me some AEW and some WWE and even some midget wrestling if I can find it. I'm all about it. I love it. I know it's fake. Don't try, to con- don't try to make me know that it's not fake. I know it's fake and I still love it, okay? So are your soap operas in Grey's Anatomy. So anyway. Oh, we'll get real? I mean, all that junk y'all like watching on Netflix is just as stupid as the stuff I watch on Wednesdays and Friday nights. But I enjoy it. So, Ephesians 6, this is what we're going to root to. Back every single time. There's stuff you don't see that's going on. You need to know that's going on. There's stuff that you think that's okay that ain't okay to have in your home. There's stuff that's okay that you think's okay that's not okay to watch on TV. There's some stuff that you think that's okay that's not okay for you to have in your spirit. And I'm not talking about a devil behind every bush and worrying about stuff. No, I'm, not worried. I'm not talking about any of that junk. I'm talking about portals. I'm talking about doorways. I'm talking about you being stupid enough to invite something into your house. <laughs> yeah. It's going to happen a lot in this sermon. Because if you've got junk in your house, if you've got junk in your spirit, if you've got junk in your mind that you're not supposed to have, you're going to feel stupid at the end of this message. And it's okay. I felt stupid while I was putting it together. I felt stupid for eight hours yesterday as I couldn't catch focus because this is a spiritual warfare message. And spiritual warfare was going around me all day long yesterday. And it wasn't nothing that happened. It was all here. So, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Wasn't nobody coming in and bothering me all day yesterday. It was against evil rulers and authorities, people who were in this region who didn't want this message to go forward to this people. You need to feel what I'm saying. I mean, I'm telling you, somebody don't want you to know this. There's a force, there's a nefarious force that's at work in the world right now that doesn't want you to hear what I'm about to say. Unseen world, mighty powers, mighty powers of the dark world. And evil spirits in heavenly places. Now, how can evil spirits be in heavenly places? Well, I read one time in this book, in this other book, it said that the devil was able to come to the throne of God and talk to him in the mornings. That was in that book of Job. That's in the first half of this other book. But it talks about that the, the devil went to heaven and spoke to God saying, have you considered your servant Job? Or actually God said to the devil, have you considered my servant Job? So he had to be around for God to talk to him. See, you need to understand it's not just here in heaven. There's something in between. It's called second heaven. That's your spiritual realm. See, God and the angels, they're in third heaven. Second heaven is where, I'm not going to get into all this deep water, okay? You want to get in deep water, we'll talk later. But no, there's three heavens. God reigns in third heaven, and there's access. There's just no authority. Come on now. A lot of y'all got access to the throne room and no authority, and you're wondering why I'm going to tell you. See, he's got access. He just has no authority. You've got access. You just have no authority unless you're under the blood of Christ. Do you feel what I'm saying? This is just gravy. I'm just doing intros. But you need to feel this. That's the reason why you need to realize we're at war. We're at real war. And the same as a bullet can take out a soldier... 
A demon can take you out like that. If you're not guarded, if you're not protected, if you've given them authorization. So I want to talk to you about our war. Now, go ahead and look at 1 John 2 and 16. We're going to get there eventually. It's going to talk about some really important things that you're going to need to know. But first, I want to realize, same. Anybody ever been on Facebook, Instagram, or any of the various, you know, nonsensical social medias that we find consuming so much of our time? And somebody posts something, and then you see somebody comment, and they say, hashtag same. Or maybe same girl. But have you ever seen anybody done hashtag same? Yeah. Boy, my kids drive me crazy, hashtag same. Man, my job is horrible, hashtag same. Funny meme about something, that kind of weird kind of situation at work, hashtag same. Come on, y'all get with me. Have y'all ever seen this? Because I can't have you sitting there looking at me like cows at a new gate. It just freaks me out. <laughs> but I want to talk about same. So I want to tell you how I came to preach this week. So as most Sundays, I'm squirming and like participating way too much in pastor's message last week. You know, lots of amens, lots of Holy Spirits, lots of vibing. Like I'm with him. Oh yeah, come on. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Like that. Like, you know, y'all remember that men's retreat when he was making fun of me? Yeah. So I haven't forgot. It still hurts. Um, but anyway, he's back there and I'm with him and I'm catching it. And he's talking about Elijah. Now, if y'all need to know anything about me, if there's one guy in all of Scripture that I really dig, it's Elijah. Because he was balanced like I am. <laughs> Those who saw the last message understand that statement. He's balanced like I am. He's civil like I am. He's calm like I am. He trusts the God like I do. He gets nervous and anxious like me. He freaks out like me. He knows that God's with him, but he don't have a whole lot of confidence in himself. That's who I really am. That's who my wife sees. That's who my kids see. This isn't a mask. This is really me. It's just there's another part of me. Same. Two sides, dichotomy. Me whenever I'm full of Holy Spirit and then me whenever I'm not. So I'm back there and I'm like, man, yeah, Elijah, yeah. He's like, and he goes to Mount Sinai. And I said, wait a second, I thought it was Mount Horeb. Wait a second, I thought it was Mount Perrin. Wait a minute, I thought it was Mount Sayer. was right and he was right too <gasps> same see we see these names but we don't do our research so we think they're two different places but yo God met Moses and Elijah on the same mountain same so I started thinking about it I was like man I wonder how many more similarities I can find Let's throw Jesus in the mix. Let's see where it goes. So guess what? We're about to get goofy together. We're about to see some stuff. And I'm going to just throw some stuff out here, okay? 
So the background is, is so he's sitting there, he's telling this, and I'm starting, God's starting to fire synapses with me. Pop, 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 pop. You're supposed to preach next week. Now, you got to understand, God had already told me I was supposed to preach this Sunday two weeks before that and had told me again on that Friday that I was supposed to preach, but I didn't have the boldness or the confidence to go to my pastor and said, I think God's telling me to preach. I did, in confidence, take the day off of work from a fishing trip that was going to South Louisiana because I believed I was going to preach, but I never came to you and said I needed to preach. So the first thing I did after I got finished with the sermon, I ran up to him, literally nose-dogged him, bloodhound him, literally couldn't let him out of my sight. I was watching him the whole time. He was walking back up front, and I said, I'll walk and talk because i got to tell you I'm supposed to preach next week. He's like, okay, man. <laughs> okay? Yeah. I was like, well, I was supposed to tell you Friday. Why didn't you? I don't know because I don't have near as much confidence in me as you do. being real but he's my spiritual father he knows who I am he knows how he can trust me he knows how he can believe in me he knows that if I tell him I'm supposed to I'm supposed to so I did and I do and I am so that's why I'm here the reason why is because the hashtag same man Elijah and Moses got the same place they meet with God got me to thinking okay so if Elijah is on Sinai with Moses, is there a mountain that he shares with Jesus? Outside of transfiguration, because I know all three of them get together and get funky on the mountain of transfiguration. And so, yeah, there is. So this place where, Moses, where Elijah gets taken up in the chariot of fire, guess where that is? It's the Mount of Olives. There's this whole thing called the Olivet Sermon that are all the series of sermons that Jesus preaches from the Mount of Olives. And guess in and aware around where Jesus gets taken up, Mount of Olives. Then I started thinking, I was like, okay, well, this is cool. So Jesus is transfigured or taken. He ascends here at the Mount of Olives. Moses and Elijah, they share this cool little thing at Mount Sinai. So those two, that, so they're connected there. But then is there something that connects all three of them? Well, yeah. They all had these crazy deaths or lack thereof. Like Moses was literally put in the ground and his bones were hidden by divine. Like, he couldn't go in. They had to bury him. Well, Nebo is the last place that we see Moses looking out and doing anything, Mount Nebo. Now, here's the cool thing. Man, I'm telling you, it's so cool because you're getting into the same. I'm getting through all the preliminaries so that when we hit the spiritual warfare thing, you really hit it, okay? But I need you to understand there's a lot of same, same, same. Where Moses died, you can look out, and guess what you can see? Jerusalem, Israel. Then you look the other side, and you see Jordan. And Amon, you can literally see everything from where he died. He's up there, he's able to see everything. Same. 
every story you've ever read in scripture, he was able to look out from Mount Nebo and see. Same. Okay? Elijah, he didn't die. He was taken up in the whirlwind of a chariot of fire. I mean, we know Jesus. He died, but he didn't stay dead. So I was like, okay, what else? And then this is where it started getting good. This is what held me up for three hours yesterday trying to make work in my message. So somewhere, sometimes, somehow, I had heard that the wilderness experience of Moses was the same geographical area as Jesus. It ain't. Because Jesus was in a different region of Israel than Moses would have ever even came close to interacting with because of the pilgrimage. And man, I'm telling you, for three hours, I am, I'm a little stubborn, if you can tell, three hours, and I'm still making, trying to make a point, one point work in my entire message, okay? And I finally, I'm like, okay, God, so the entire basis of a big part of my message is gone. He said, no, it's not. I said, why? He said, because all wilderness is the same. Say what? Wilderness is the same. Moses wandered around, honestly, on a 14-day trip for 40 years. Elijah, as we learned last week, walked through the wilderness to Sinai, only to walk back through the wilderness that he came through. And then Jesus, well, oh man, Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus and his wilderness experience today. So, Here's what I want to tell you. Same can look different. I was going to use this even before we started throwing you under the bus, Joel. Um, are there any veterans in here? Stand up and raise your hand. You can count yourself because you're close enough. Go ahead and stand up. Stand up, raise your hand if you're a veteran. I'm one. Now, you look at us and you say, oh, man, these are all different. Different heights, different ages, different sexes, different nationalities, ethnicities. But we have a saying when we're in the armed forces, don't we? When you cut me, I don't bleed red. What color do I bleed? Green. Thank you. And thank you for your service. Let's give them a hand for their service. See, you can look the same and be different. And you can look different and be the same. See, because if you under the Christ, we all got the same papa. So we all are different, but we same. Now, same can also sound different. Let me give you an example of it sounding different. How many people are real big fans of country music? How many people are really into hip-hop? Or a rap? Hardcore scream? Heavy metal, mass gospel choirs, my playlist is really eclectic. It's all music. I'm sorry, Betty. Classical? It's all music. It's all Noise and silence. 
Wait, no, 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 it's not. Yeah, it's noise. It's noise and silence. Whether it's me laying down on a sustained pedal for 20 minutes as the church is going crazy, right? And I'm just laying in on an organ as it, people are spinning around. and Or if it's like Reggie this morning on the acoustic doing a riff. It's all noise and silence. But it's all music. And when a sixth grader's doing it, it sounds a little bit different than a 60-year-old doing it. But it's all noise and silence. It's music. And if it's done the right way, it's all beautiful to God. Have you ever had a place that evokes two emotions in you? I think back to whenever Jackson was playing football. I remember some of the great memories we had on that football field. I remember me making myself a fool for four years of his high school football career. Because if you think I'm loud in church. Never got through out of a game, but everybody knew I was there. But the night he had his last game, and we were handing him his senior whatevers, that field evoked a different emotion in me. You see what I'm saying? This church, this church, this body has evoked two different types of emotions to me. Come in now and, man, I'm raring and tearing. There was a season before where this was a place of hurt that I couldn't walk into. Not because of anybody here, but because of me. And I just think about all my friends who sit inside the church like that now. I've got a group of friends right now, they're scared to get back into the church because they suffered such an entire, entirely wrong and abusive church hurt that they're scared to plug in again. But they also have some of their greatest memories inside the church. See, it evokes two different emotions. You feel what I'm saying? Maybe it's a battleground. Think about it. Those men... There's so few of them left who went to Normandy. Whenever they go and they go back to that ground, they just... You see two emotions all at once, gratefulness and sorrow. Grateful to be alive, grateful to have the lives they lived, grateful for everything but remembering those that... I mean, we had Memorial Day last week. I'm not going to go through all that, but you understand what I'm saying, right? And for some people... Your home evokes two different types of emotions. Maybe your childhood home evokes great memories of mom and horrible memories of siblings or your other parents or step-parents. Maybe your bedroom has great memories and bad memories. I'm just being real because most of us in here are above the age that I can actually have this discussion. You need to give your bedroom salvation that's a word for somebody you need to give your bedroom salvation because you haven't allowed yourself to get past the past hurts and something's wrong there and something's off and you need to fix it that's just a word I don't know who that's for but that is a word for somebody's marriage in here but it can sound different it can look different same can look different Jackson's the exact he's still my son but I can tell you he looks different than he did whenever his first season was here in our first season here, whenever he was running around as a kid in the kids' church, he looked a lot different than he does now, but he's still the same. 
This church looks different, but it's still the same. I look different, but I'm still the same. See, you can have same and it look different too. Mark 1, right? And I was going to ask, I asked the guys to, to put this up and they said the whole chapter. And then I was like, oh man, I didn't realize I was asking for the whole chapter. And then I realized that I am old and um, I'm getting older and I can't read as well as I used to out of these books. I guess they made the, the print smaller than they used to. But look at this. Hey, they did it for me because they rock. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah. The Son of God, it began. Okay, so here it is. This is Mark, and he's telling his stuff. Just as the prophet Isaiah had written, Look, I'm sending you my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord is coming. Make clear the road for him. The messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness, and he preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, Someone is coming who is greater than I am, so much that I am not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I will baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with Holy Spirit. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. And as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Or this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. There's a couple of different ways that we've heard this because of different translations. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go to wilderness. I want you to think about this, okay? The Spirit that just fell down on him whenever he got baptized compelled him to go to the wilderness. Holy Spirit compelled him to go to the wilderness. Say that with me. Holy Spirit compelled him to go into the wilderness. Holy Spirit. Not old Beelzebub. Not old Slewfoot. The Holy Spirit compelled him to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out, of, he was out among the wild animals and the angels took care of him. That's where I'm going to stop right there in verse 13. Okay, so check it out, okay? What this is, is that Mark, he, man, he jumps right into the story. He's not telling you about how Jesus was born. He's, not, he's jumping right into, hey, here we are. He jumps into it. Jesus goes to John and gets baptized. Holy Spirit comes down. And then Jesus is compelled by the Spirit to go into the wilderness. And he fasts for 40 days. Here's the other way they were hashtag same. All three of these cats went on at least a 40-day fast. Moses did it multiple times consecutively because of his anger. Because <laughs> he came down with the stone tabs, saw him worshiping a golden calf, threw him down, and then had to go back up and get another set because he broke the first ones. Elijah, as we learned last week, he ate, and then he traveled 40 days to Sinai. Doesn't say he stopped along the way, got a snack. He ate, and then that means he fasted until he got to Sinai. And then Jesus, he's in the middle of this. So this is the abridged version. 
because I just wanted to grab this one piece. In one verse, we see the wilderness, the Messiah, and the beast all there. Jesus is in the wilderness because the Holy Spirit told him to go there. And the beasts are there because they don't know he's Messiah. They think he's another meal. They're waiting for him to faint and die so they can eat him. And it says the angels come and take care of him. Now, in this passage, Jesus is tempted in three different ways. And, and, and we, Mark doesn't go into it, but there's three different ways that we're all tempted. And this is where I'm wanting to go to because this is where the rubber meets the road. Whenever I'm saying same, you need to understand that no matter what you face, it falls into one of three categories. All sin will fall into one of three categories. And those are outlined in 1 John 2. So I want you to go ahead and turn there for me to 1 John 2. And we're going to be in verse 15 and 16. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. So what you have here is you have John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And just, just in case you didn't understand that, that's... It's John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's his official title. He's writing now in the later seasons of life. He's writing as a father, not as a disciple. He's writing this out, and he's trying to tell people about the love of God. And he's trying to tell them what it looks like and what it doesn't look like. But here he stumbles on through the profound. Because he outlines the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Child of God, take note. These are your three categories. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Now, we hear these things, especially if you've been in the church for any amount of time. You hear these things kind of tossed around, and nobody ever really does a good job of explaining exactly what they are and what's the difference. How many people if you're honest, would say you've fallen into that category before, because I have. I've fallen into it. So what is it to mean the lust of the flesh? Well, the lust of the flesh is strong desires and cravings of the physical body for sinful gratification. For sinful gratification. So let me tell you how Satan first came to Jesus in the wilderness. First of all, he came to him after the 40 days. Because see, <laughs> this was good. I, was actually, I actually stumbled on this today as I was driving Camille into work. By the way, if you want somebody to give you excellent service, go see her at the waterfront. It just opened up and she just got a job there. So um, that's my little pitch for my kid. Go see her. Um, but I was driving her to work today and I said this to her. Uh, and I, it was like, okay, so Satan didn't come against Jesus until the 40th day because he was not authorized 
to come against him while he was in a fast. Oh. Oh. No, 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 no. Now the other shoe's about to drop, okay? So does that mean that every time I'm in the middle of a fast and I claim that the enemy's really coming against me, it's really my own fleshly desires coming against me because the enemy's not authorized to attack me during a fast? I got that revelation today at 64 and 98. I was like, no way. Yeah. Oh, man, that hurts. Oh, man, mature believers, does that hurt a little bit? Immature believers, y'all don't know what we're talking about, but mature believers, y'all get it. Oh. And so he says, if you're hungry... Take these stones and turn them to bread. Now, if you hungry or you hangry, what would be the sin in me turning rocks to bread? I ain't God, so I don't know. But it does seem like to me, if I'm the all-powerful, supernatural, man-made, God-made flesh, if I did what somebody else told me to do because I was given into my own desires, that would make them God and not me. Wow. I told you this is a tough message. So whenever I give in to the lust of the flesh, that's whenever I decided to make my body God instead of God. Now, I'm not going to go for the low-hanging fruit because everybody touches pornography and adultery. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go for some of the stuff that's a little bit higher up. What about your neighbor's Mercedes or Tesla? Lust of the flesh. Man, it sure would be nice not to drive a beater. But that's not really, I don't know, that, that's probably more lust of the eyes. I think the lust of the flesh would probably be more... I really like riding in a Tesla versus riding in my beater. It's more comfortable to me. Maybe it's, man, I sure do like going over to this person's house. Because whenever I'm there, I don't have to have the responsibilities that I have at my house. That's a, that's a fleshly desire. See, what I'm trying to get to is, is that lust of the flesh is just not about like the lust that we've always made flesh about. It's about so many other things. Because whenever I have strong desires and cravings for my physical body for sinful gratification, we always go to sex. But let me tell you, overeating is lust of the flesh. Now, I've heard a lot of sermons about drunkenness and drug use. But I don't ever hear very many sermons about overeating. I don't know why, but you don't hear them. Why? Because our favorite thing to do in church is eat. <laughs> Every fellowship's got food. Afterglow's food. Party's food. Just saying. I'm not throwing stones. I like to eat. I'm just saying that it's just as much the flesh as it being a drunk. It's just as much flesh as being a drug addict. Just as, much sex, just as much as being addicted to sex. I'm telling you, 
Man, they say sugar's more addictive than cocaine. I know y'all getting quiet on me, but I'm telling you the truth. So let's go to the easy one, the lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes is an intense longing or covetous desires aroused by what one sees and desires to pursue. Two words, social media. It feeds the first two things all day long. You want to see a body rock? Go to TikTok. That'll do the lust of the flesh. You want to see somebody that's got a nice car or a better house than you? Go to Facebook. You want to be mad because somebody's on vacation? Look at any social media Instagram. My guy, the guy that I work with, he has this saying. He said, I'm not on social media because I'm tired of looking at people's highlight reels against my real life. Lust of the eyes. Covetness. I mean, that's one of the big ten, isn't it? Thou shall not covet. Thought it was in the big ten. So the lust of the eyes, man, that's the intent covenant of seeing and wanting. So what happens? So he, he first he, he, he tempts him, right? And then, then what does he do? He says, okay, well then, now let me show you some stuff. Let me show you some stuff. Takes him up. Takes him up. He says, throw yourself down. Your angels will catch you. Prove it. Great thing about being God is you don't have to prove anything. Don't have to prove anything. And so, how are you going to give me something that's already mine? Shows him the world, man. Says, you can have all this. Bet you it's kind of like Moses up on Nebo. You can have all this. How are you going to give me what's already mine? That's where you need to get. You're a child of the uncreated God. He owns everything. So guess what you own as an heir? Everything. Stop coveting what's already you. Start claiming instead of coveting. Start claiming. Start claiming what's yours. You want a better car? Start praying toward a better car and doing something about it. Like, you know, things I'm not good at. Put money aside. Save it up. Do it. I, I'm just being transparent. I, I'm, I'm real bad at that. I try my best. And try is about all you get. Do or do not. That's what Yoda said. Right? And I'm in a season of doing. But you're in that place, right? And you're looking at what everybody else has. Well, he takes him up and shows him. He says, hey, you can have all this. Nah. It's already mine. I don't need it. And then the pride of life. So these three things that are outlined in 1 John... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Self-centered, boastful attitude driven by the desire for recognition, status, and worldly accomplishments. Again, two words. Social media. I'm sorry, I'm on social media, but do you see how they play into a sinful life? I'm not saying being on social media is a sin, 
Just saying it can open doors. It can have portals in your home, your marriage, your life that you don't want open. There's a reason why it's called a web. Just being real. It's not just because it's all linked. It's because it traps you. And so you're sitting here, and in the pride of life, this is where now social media becomes the way that I sin. You see what I'm saying? So the first two, I'm taking it in, but the second time, I'm a producer. I'm an influencer. What am I influencing? Am I going to influence good or am I going to influence bad? But the pride of life, this is where I get to brag about all my accomplishments. I know if you're on my Facebook, I've been doing a lot of that here lately, okay? But it it's been humble bragging about my kids, okay? That's different. Because <laughs> I'm super proud of them, about what they've done. And there's a difference between being proud and prideful. God opposes the proud, extends grace to the humble. But there's a pride of life that is what he's opposing. He's not, he's not against you saying, hey, look at little Johnny getting his medal, you know, for winning the 8U World Series. Awesome, man. That's great. Like, share. Da, 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 da. That's awesome. But whenever I'm on the Insta, or the gram, that's what y'all call it, the gram, and I'm flashing those $100 bills out of the register at work because I ain't never seen that many together. And I'm, <laughs> but I'm like, like it's mine, like it's my wad, falling into some pride of life. Whenever I'm going out to get the Tesla because I'm trying to compete with the Joneses who, leave, who live next door, that's a pride of life issue. Y'all feel what I'm saying? So three temptations. Now you tell me, think about it, any sin that doesn't fit into those three categories. Think about it. Drew, think about it. But does anybody have one? Because there ain't one. Because all three of them fall into these three areas of temptation. So I'm going to give you five strategies to use against temptation. I thought this was a warfare message. Trust me. You're about to have some. I'm about to give you five things that all hell is going to come against you to stop you from doing. I'm going to give you five things that if you'll adopt them with discipline and competency, it'll change your life and you'll stop feeling so defeated. I'm not joking. This is literally a life-changing formula. So the first thing that you need to do you need to root yourself in Scripture. Now, Romans 12, it's very clear about this. It's, uh, he, he has it lined out here. So, you know, I've always thought it was interesting that the first book in the New Testament, after the ones that were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, was the Acts of the Apostles and then to the Romans. Man, that used to bug me so much in seventh grade. Can I tell you that? Like, for real, that used to bug me in seventh grade. The two books of the Bible, just because they're names, bugged me was Hebrews and Romans. You know why? They killed Jesus. 
Literally, in my sixth, seventh grade mind, that's, all, that's where I could go to. Why do we got two books dedicated to the two groups of people that killed Jesus? The Hebrews and the Romans. Bet you ain't none of y'all ever sat around and thought about that in seventh grade, did you? I've been weird for a minute. Anyway, um, and then I realized why. Because they needed books written to them. When I got older, I realized it wasn't the the well that needed the hospital. It was the sick. And if you want to know about some sick people, Romans, the Hebrews. I'm going to throw 1st and 2nd Corinthians in there too because I used to live in Corinth, Mississippi. But anyway, what I'm saying is, is that if anybody needed epistles written to them, it was the people who got the epistles written to them. Thessalonica needed Thessalonians. The Ephesians needed Ephesians. You see what I'm saying? So in Romans, he's sitting here and he's writing this thing. And he says this in Romans 2, okay? Now, I know everybody loves Romans 12 and 1. I ain't ain't throwing shade on your favorite verse, okay? So don't start coming at me because I'm not, you know, talking about that beseech you therefore present your bodies. Okay, I get it, all right? I ain't there. I'm on 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is good and acceptable, perfect will of God. How do we renew our mind? Scripture. Corinthians says washing of the word. That he's coming back for a bride who is washed in the word. I think that's 1 Corinthians maybe 5 or maybe chapter 6. But he talks about that he's coming back for a bride who's washed in the word. So one thing you can do is get into Scripture. Now, I am a geek By my own definition, nobody's ever cast this definition on me as an identity. If people can self-identify with everything they're identifying with now, I'm identifying as a geek. I go deeper than I'm supposed to. I research more than I should. I get caught into rabbit trails and wormholes whenever I'm looking at stuff, and it's all interesting to me. And I can sit there for six hours looking up one word in Scripture. That's the reason why I put words on my body. Because they remind me of my research and I understand things. Afno, suddenly. It activates suddenly in my life. I believe that because it builds my faith. You, what you believe, you become. I'm speaking that I am a person who's in covenant with God over suddenlies. That way now, guess what I can come, become as I prophesy that over me? Now I'm a person who activates suddenlies. Oh, I don't buy that. Well, I don't care what you buy. My experience says otherwise. So, Scripture, man, eat it up. Louis Giglio, he says that he does a one-word Scripture study. This is what changed my life. First, I got into Andy Stanley, and uh, Andy's good, and then I discovered Louis, and Louis's good, and they're both good in their different ways. Like, Andy's great in leadership, but Louis's really got his finger on how to reach these people who don't care about Jesus. And so I'm listening, and he says, just take one word and study it out. And he's telling us during this, I think it's the How Great Is Our God tour. And he says, let's just take John 10.35. You're going to study one word of that scripture every day. John 10.35. If you don't know it, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. It says two words. Jesus wept. So, day one, man, how can we study this out? You're telling me that Jesus couldn't be studied out for an entire lifetime 
and you still not touch the depth of who he is? So I take Jesus and I study out who he is. Son of God, son of man, son of David. The uncreated God, omnipotent, omnipresent. I mean, just start, you find out who Jesus is, right? So day one, you're like, all right, Jesus. Got it, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Day two, wept. Now you understand the enormity that Jesus felt at the tomb with Lazarus once you realize who Jesus was and then you realize that he wept over Lazarus. Then you, when you study out the word wept, you understand it's not just crying, it's sorrowful moaning of a pouring out of a soul and then you're realizing that the uncreated God of the universe is crying out over his friend. It changes the verse. Because why? I'm a geek. And I studied it all the way down until I got exhausted. Scripture can do that for you. Man, I was thinking about this actually in the break room as I'm trying to tie the, light, the loose ends up on my message. And I'm sitting here going through and I'm like, Acts in the letters to the Romans, first wave. That's from Children's Church. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. I use that every single time I open the Bible to figure out where I'm trying to find. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. I use these two little songs all the time to help me know the books of the Bible so that I, why? Because I've hidden your word in my heart that I won't sin against you, God. Like we, we, we say these things, they're not cliches, they're not roasts, they're weapons that you can use in your darkest times. Those who hide themselves underneath the shadow of the Almighty. Though 10,000 may fall at one side, I'm telling you, when you hide the word of God in your heart, it's not a burden, it becomes a blessing. Because in those situations when you don't know what to do, you remember that you read Proverbs today and it says to stay away from whatever. For men it's foolish women. But almost every chapter talks about a man staying away from foolish women. Solomon had something on his mind. But we're in that place where we don't want to go through the disciplining of getting scripture in us. So if you need it, I'm sure there's something out there that you can fall asleep to listening to Scripture. Or that you can have Jonathan Romy read you the text da, 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 from Jesus as the Chosen or whatever you want. Like there's so many different ways to get it in you. If you don't, it's your own fault. I'll leave that there. Prayer. Matthew 25, is that right? 26, sorry, I told you you can't see. Uh, 26 and 41. So now this is Jesus, guess where he's at, guess where he's at? He's in Gethsemane. You know where that is, right? It's that same mount. Gethsemane was on the mount. So, so like, there's this central, same, same. He's in Gethsemane. thing you need to remember, and I, this is just gravy here. This isn't part of my message, but Gethsemane is a thing. It's not a place. 
So the Garden of Gethsemane actually means the Garden of the Press. The Gethsemane is actually the press. That's what you call the press is the Gethsemane. I'll teach about that later. But he's at Gethsemane. He's asked his guys to pray with him. He's taken his homeboys with him into the garden. Said, hey, Peter, James, John, come with me. We're going to pray. Ooh, I get to pray with Jesus. That ain't what they were doing. Jesus goes in, he prays, comes back out. His three homeboys, out. Yo, man, get up. Don't you realize what we're doing, why we're doing this? Don't you realize how important? You need to stay awake. He even asked him one time, could you not tarry with me an hour? Now, some of y'all in there going, mm-hmm, 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 it been me, mm-hmm. Mm, I'd been up with Jesus. Mm, I'd been up with Jesus. Mm. No, you wouldn't. Have. You wouldn't. Have. You want to know why? Because if we open the church to pray for an hour, it's all hot and going for about two weeks. Till the newness and the whatever wears off, and then. Winds up being pastor and a couple of people looking at each other every time. Why? Because we, 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 we don't realize the importance of prayer. If we did, we'd want to do it all the time. We'd want to be in it. I led this group one time, and what I did with them is I had them meet me at 6 a.m. Oh, come on, y'all give me the, oh. On a Saturday morning. And they prayed for an hour before I ever taught, ever taught them anything well what if I don't know how to pray for an hour start in Psalms 1 just start reading them as prayers it's probably how they started just read scripture until you learn how to pray it'll teach you how to pray I promise you it will oh wow it goes right back into the first one doesn't it scripture becomes the foundation for prayer 41, watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation. This is where we get the cliche. The spirit is willing, but the... Now, we're always good with that part, aren't we? Continue to pray so you don't fall into temptation. Why don't we know that part? Why don't we know that part? Why isn't that part important? Continue to pray so you don't fall into temptation. Man, that sounds a lot like what Paul said, didn't it? Pray without ceasing. Maybe that's why Paul also talked about the thorn of his flesh, and then he also talked about praying without ceasing. Because he knew that if he didn't pray without ceasing, his thorn of his flesh would become the pride and the lust of his flesh. I ain't saying that. I'm just saying God, that, that just came right now. Maybe the reason why he said pray without ceasing is because he knew that if he didn't, that thorn of his flesh would come back. Because I know that whenever I pray, things are less inflamed in my life. Like I may not have the thorn out, but at least it's not inflamed and hurting me. I may not have it fixed. I may still have brokenness, but at least, you see what I'm saying? Like maybe, maybe what I should pray for is that I am 
going to be restored to wholeness instead of that one thing that I'm focusing on. Maybe that should be the way I pray whenever I pray. You understand what I'm saying? Like, have you ever, you ever had something that's so in your face that it's the only thing you can see when you pray? And you can't get it out of your sight no matter what you're doing. It's just, it's there. It's the elephant in the room. God taught me that if I'll stop praying about the problems and I start praying about the roots, eventually the problems will die. And at the root of most of my problems is me. So instead of me praying about other people and their attitudes changing, I pray about my attitude and what God can do for me to change me. And I work on that daily. And we all should. But if you'll get into a place where you pray, then you won't fall into temptation according to what Jesus says. Just continue to pray. Well, Holy Spirit... Holy Spirit is another one of the strategies of battling temptation. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, it does, but we don't do it. It makes sense that we should go to it. Galatians 5, 16. And he's saying to the Galatians, walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the fruit of the flesh. I mean, like literally to a T, he's telling you, like these scriptures are telling you exactly why you should do this. Walk in the Spirit. That way you don't fulfill the fruit of the flesh. Why? Because I can't operate in both. You can't be fully operating in spirit and fully operating in flesh. We try. That's the reason why you hear people on Netflix series being exposed. That's the reason why we have a sign that's right up by the stairs. It says make sure your private life and your public life are equal. It's an honor to be on this stage, not a right. There's a sign that right, I mean literally, right off the, the steps that whenever you, before you go on this stage, you read that sign. Am I perfect? No. Like I don't even, have, I'm not even in the zip code of perfect. I might be in the area code, ask my wife. But <laughs> I doubt it though. But what I'm saying is, is that Holy Spirit guides me. Like on the way in, I was listening to, to, one, to an artist and he's got this song and he just says, Jesus, blah, blah, Jesus, da, da, Jesus, it's Kanye. So the people can start throwing rocks at me now. But anyway, but he's, he's sitting here and he's saying this stuff, but he's saying all these things about Jesus, use me. Jesus, do this. Jesus, he's just confessing these things. And uh, he's not perfect either, but his confession is pretty perfect about what he wants Jesus to do in his life. Now, whether he wants Jesus to really do that in his life, it doesn't matter. But what I'm saying is, is in this song, I'm listening to it on the way in. And this is what I'm confessing over my life. Jesus, use me. Jesus, come through me. Jesus, like all these things, I'm, 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 I'm like confessing this stuff. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, man, Holy Spirit, man. Holy Spirit, you take me places that I can't even imagine to go whenever I'm, 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 I open myself up to you. Like, I have a specific prayer that I'll pray. And I'm like, God, right now, I'm setting myself aside. I'm consecrating this time to create and think with Holy Spirit. I want you to give me thoughts that I haven't thought before. I want to have new ideas. I want to have these things that are going to change the earth given to me and birthed in me right now in Jesus' name. I pray that prayer. 
And the reason why I pray that prayer is because I partner with Holy Spirit. So you need to start partnering with Holy Spirit. You need to start walking in the Spirit so you don't yield fruit of the flesh. Because it's impossible to yield fruit of the flesh when you're fully in the Spirit. Impossible. You can get out of the Spirit, but you can't do it while you're in the Spirit. You feel what I'm saying? The, the fourth way is accountability. You need people in your life who are speaking into your life the things you need to hear, okay? So, like, if you're all, and don't get, get mad at me, but, like, if you're all goth and emo or depressed all the time, you don't need to re- be around people who are goth and emo and depressed all the time. If you battle self-deprecating humor over yourself, don't get with people who all they want to do is roast you. Like, I'm serious. Like, if you have self-confidence issues, if you have a self-image issue, don't get with people who's going to tear you down. Because that's what it is. And so in Philippians 4 and 8, it says, finally, whatever is true, whatever is honest, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good report, if there's any virtue, if there are any praise, think on these things. Well, how do I think on those things? I have people who encourage those things. We have a word in the church, we call that either prophesy or exhortation. Boy, I'm going to give you a little exhortation right now. I'm going to prophesy over you. I'm going I'm to encourage you. See, the world wants to tear you down. That's why the temptations come through the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Because his job, the enemy of your soul, Hasatan, Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, he's got one goal. Make sure you don't get to heaven. Make sure you are walking, and if you are going to heaven, to make sure that this place is hell for you. That's it. Real simple. That's the reason why he only needs three temptations. Because everything can fall into those three. So if whenever I put accountability in my life, whenever I put rife in my life, this past week, he called me out on some things that were accountability issues. He said, hey, because you told me to hold you accountable, blah, 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 blah. Man, thank you. I didn't even realize that was going on. I'll get it rectified. Yeah. We had a discussion about something because I put myself into accountability to him. And guess what he gives me in return because I trust him with my accountability? Huh? Feedback. And he gives me encouragement. Like, hey, was it okay? Man, dude, this point right here. Like, we'll... Some of the text messages we have back and forth after sermons, and we just talk about stuff. And me encouraging him and him encouraging me, that's fruit in our lives that we both need. And that's Philippians 4 and 8. Because we, we dwell on the things that are good, that are lovely, the things that are a good report. Do we talk about the bad things? Yeah. But we don't spend all of our time on it. You see what I'm saying? You'll have negative Nancys in your life that that's all they talk about. The fifth thing, Run! If you want to avoid temptation, kick it back to Genesis, man. I, you don't even have to go to 1 Corinthians. Go to Genesis. Do like Joseph. Leave your coat in her hand. Run. Proverbs says, don't even go to her door. Run. They say, he says it to the Corinthians a little bit more direct. Flee fornication. 
Every sin that a man does is without the body. But he that commits fornication sins against himself. Flee. Now, of course, they're talking about fornication, but all temptation can fall into those three categories. Okay, that's great, man. That's, that's cool. You gave us some scripture. You told us how, why we should do it. How? So I'm going to give you your activate and apply. I know nobody thought it was coming this early, but I'm, I'm almost done. You ruined the surprise, Steve. You got on stage, and now they knew that I was about to finish. Um, that's all right. The first thing, the first thing that you need to do. Well, first of all, let me make sure that everybody is here. Does everyone here have a cell phone? Does everyone here have a cell phone? Come on. You don't go anywhere without it. Come on. Do you have your cell phone? Pull it out. Oh, man. I'm serious. Okay, look. It's, it's still disobedience if you do it in the church, okay? So pull your cell phone out. Oh, I just don't feel like doing it. Open up your app store. And type in these five letters. B-I-B-L-E. Because if you want to get down with Scripture, you got to have a way to get it. So you need to start reading or listening, plan on a Bible app. Now, there's one that's real easy to find. It's called the Bible app. And guess what they do? They have reading plans on there that they'll actually just do all the work for you. Man, I'm battling depression. Depression. Bam! Reading plan for depression. Man, I need help with my finances. Finances. Bam! Reading plan. Man, I need help with my marriage. Marriage. Bam! I'm going to take it a step further. Do yourself a favor. Also look into the Daily Audio Bible. That's another app. Now, this app will change your life in five minutes a day. If you listen to Proverbs every single day off of that app, it will change your life. I'm telling you. You'll have wisdom so deep-seated in you that whenever you have the most foolish things come at you, you'll, you'll spit back the wisdom from Proverbs. They also have other plans on there that you can go through the Bible in a year. Daily Audio Bible. It's got a great guy on there. His name's Brian Harden. Every time he gets finished reading scripture, he tells you that he loves you. It's awesome. Get your day off to a good start. You should do it. I'm not joking. You should do it. The next thing, set a reminder. You still have your phone out. Set a reminder to pray. I do not need to have a reminder to pray because I am so in love with Jesus until you get too busy one day. And then one day turns into two days. And then two days turns into a week. And then the next thing you know, you haven't prayed in a month. Because you've gotten caught up. But you're so in love with Jesus. And I'll tell you what. You may hit snooze on that alarm. You may hit, okay, whatever, and not do it. But it's going to annoy you. It's going to remind you. It's going to, dare I say, convict you. And conviction's okay. If you have conviction and not temptation, that's good. 
The next step, submit to Holy Spirit to guide you and influence you. I don't even know how that, I don't even know what that looks like, Alan. Well, I'll go back to my playlist. It's a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, come into my life. That's it. It's not grandose. You don't have to have a bunch of bells on it. You don't have to have a bunch of ribbons. Just Holy Spirit, come into my life. Lead me, guide me, shape me. Because once you invite him in, guess what you do? You've changed the legal authorization in your heart. You've changed the legal authorized holder of your heart. What do you mean? Because whenever I say, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Whenever I pray that prayer, whenever I mean it with everything I say, he comes in like a flood. The enemy comes in like a flood, but the Holy Spirit just comes in and he just immediately gets all that out. I want you to think of like a, a wave coming into a breaker on the beach. Man, that water don't care that that rock's there and that rock don't care that that water's coming. But there's a collision. And over a long enough period of time, guess who wins? The wave. It's not overnight. It's not even in a year. may not be in a decade. But eventually, Colorado River cuts the Grand Canyon. Eventually, the water cuts through the rock. Eventually, the Alabama red clay softens so that you can shovel it. What I'm trying to say is that you just got to let the water soak in long enough. You got to let the Holy Spirit be in that situation long enough. Maybe it hadn't marinated long enough. Maybe it's like we tell Camille, she's still cooking. Like, we take that scripture where it says, do not awaken love before it's time, right? Young girls, you're still cooking. Young boys, you're still cooking. Just let it keep cooking, right? But this wave, eventually, it just, it takes down the rock. And eventually, it's gone. Eventually, it washes it away. Holy Spirit will be gentle with you or as rough as you let him. You remember that. Guess whose level Holy Spirit comes to? Comes to mine, comes to Rife's, comes to Glenna's. It's going to meet you where you're at. So you don't have to worry. It's not like a fire hydrant all the time. That's just what it looks like with me. It's just what it looks like with me. And the last way, uh, a couple, last couple of ways, seek out accountability relationships you know the men we have a mentoring group that meets we have a prayer group that meets ladies y'all have a monthly meeting you have other activities that you meet with but maybe it's outside of this place maybe it's not a men's group maybe it's not a women's group maybe it's not the youth group maybe it's like Rife and Shay had with Barry and Sheila and Brian and Carol for the longest time that the accountability was just families that hung out and knew each other and was there to share the burdens because it's not just about me pointing at you and saying it's wrong it's about me saying what's wrong 
and how can I help? Is that shattering anybody's ideas? Because a lot of people think that whenever I come into accountability, I'm just looking at your life saying you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong. There's a lot of encouragement inside of our accountability. Hey, you hung in there. Man, you could have beat the crap out of that dude and you didn't. Good job. I've got people in my life, that's some of the praise I have to give them. I'm not joking. Hey, you didn't break his teeth off down his throat. That's awesome. Good job today. <laughs> Baby steps. The other night I'm driving back from work. I get phone calls from people. Hey, I just want to put this in front of you. What do you think about this? Oh, that's interesting. What do you mean? I'm preaching Sunday. That's interesting. Oh, really? Yeah. Talk to somebody. Hey, I just want to put this in front of you. See, that's what I usually say to people. Hey, I want to put this in front of you. Tell me what you think about it. How would you handle this? All it is is accountability is another set of ears. It's a sounding board. Proverbs says, back to Proverbs, there's wisdom in counsel. Like, that's the reason why you have boards on nonprofits and corporations so that you can have counsel to make sure that you're not making the same mistakes somebody else made or that you're not doing something that they've already created. It's that counsel and accountability that makes it so powerful. And the last thing, stay away from areas of known weakness. Man, I, 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 I'm sorry, I have to laugh at people's stupidity. Man, I don't know what happened in my marriage. What you mean, man? Man, my wife has lost her ever-loving mind. Really? Yeah, she wants us to get a joint Facebook account. Really? Why is that? Oh, you know. Now tell me, because I don't have a separate Facebook account for my wife. Well, you know, this girl that I used to talk to, she popped up in my DMs. Oh, what'd you do with that? I didn't do what I was supposed to. I see why your wife wants to join a Facebook account. Stupid. Man, I was on the internet the other day just looking up fishing lures. You know how them pop-ups are. All of a sudden, I ended up on www.shouldn'tbehere.com. Man, it's a mess. What would I do? I'd probably go ahead and just start picking out my coffin because my wife's going to put me six foot under. That's what I would do. I'd delete those apps. I'd repent to my wife. I'd let my daughters know. I'd let my parents know before it got out. I'd repent and I'd mean it. And I'd try to fix what's broken. And then I'd stay as far away from anything that remotely looked like it as I could. Well, that sounds a little radical. Look, man, Jesus said that if your right arm is offending you, cut it off. He's going to be okay if you throw that tablet out the window. He's going to be okay if you go back to a flip phone because you're not, you can't handle one of these. 
It's going to be okay if you don't have a phone at all. Because the only thing he cares about is you wanting to be where he is. The only thing he cares about is that you're staying away from the areas that you know that he's not. See, I don't have some of the temptations. I don't fall into some of the temptations that some of you may fall into because I've never had those battles. It's never been part of my makeup. It's not part of my character. So I can go into some places that you can't go into because it's not a temptation to me, not even remotely. But there's some places that some of you can go that I should never tread because it's just there. Man, I'm telling you right now, some of us don't see how far from sin we can get. We try to see how close to sin we can get. See, because they're called familiar spirits for a reason. Like, praise God, I don't deal with alcoholism. I don't. I don't have that. It's not, it's not, even, it's not even there for me. But I know people who have. And so I make sure that whenever those people are with me, I don't have any kind of stumbling blocks that are even remotely close to them. Because I don't want them to fall into those kind of areas. I'm talking about like if I go out to eat, I try to make sure that we're not even in a place that maybe that could be a temptation for them. If, they're, if it's like, you know, full-blown alcoholism. Just if it's not there, they can't be tempted. If you're not there, you can't be tempted. So look, man, you're probably not called to the ministry that you think that you're called to if it was the area that you had recently fell into. Like, I get it. You're a recovering addict and you want to help addicts. But you're only three months into this. You probably shouldn't be on the streets trying to minister to people who are, like, actively shooting up. Because you still remember what it tastes like. So you probably shouldn't be ministering to those people. You feel what I'm saying? Like, if you're, let me see the nice way of putting this. So if you are a serial matrimonialist, I've got a couple of those in my family. My father and my grandfather were both serial matrimonialists. One loved the matrimony service so many times, he went through it 11 times, and the other one went through it about 10. They're serial matrimonialists. Marriage counseling is probably not the strong suit there. And you, you ministering to somebody of the opposite sex is not there, I promise. But do you feel what I'm saying here? There's real simple ways to make sure that you don't fall into temptation. Start reading, started reading a plan. I, I baby stepped you into that. I baby stepped you into the second one because you still had your phones out. Submit to the Holy Spirit, seek out, and then stay away. It's real easy. This is the foundation for everything else that we're going to start talking about because now you're going to really start talking about some heavy hidden weapons in the, in the next few weeks. But this is our war. And you need to understand that they are centered around these three temptations. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And these are the five steps to get past them. But this is our war. And it's a real war. And let me tell you your battleground. In the old church, it used to happen right between here and the front row. That was the battleground. 
Let me tell you about warriors in my life, and then I'm turning it back over to pastor. My granny, you wouldn't have ever thought that she was a general, but she was a general on the battlefield. Because she saw a private on the back row who was avoiding things, and she'd come back there and grab me and pull me to the battlefield. And then she would fight over me and provide cover as she would pray over me in tongues. I still remember my granny's tongue. One of the best memories of my life is me, her, and my, one of my daughters in, in a room right before she passed away, all praying in tongues together. But this is the battlefield. And we have negated one of our biggest places to fight because we're worried about going to lunch. And we're worried about kids' soccer practices on Sunday afternoon. And we're worried about everything that happens beyond what we're here to do. Man, this morning, I wanted to get up here and grab your drumsticks and just start beating on the drums a, a, a war anthem. Because I know we like chill. I know we like refreshed vibes. But I'm telling you, we're in the middle of a war, and you can sleep if you want to. But there's a scripture that says, awake, awake, O oh sleeper. Man, we've been asleep for too long. We've made it all about relationships and not revelation what i'm saying is is we've made the church a place where we come to find relationships instead of revelation and revel and relationships are great they're awesome I, i i love community i'm not saying that but what i'm saying is is if your primary reason to come to church is to get connected with people instead of getting connected with god you're doing it wrong you're doing it wrong This is the most important thing that you can do, is go to fight, go to war, and make it happen. And it's not about me, because I'm fighting. It's not about what I feel, what I know, any of that, because I'm going to fight. I'm telling you that your life will be a lot easier if you'll get in the fight, because at least you'll feel like you're getting some punches in, (laughs) because you're taking punches already anyway. You might as well get some in. You feel what I'm saying? I'm pressed, but not crushed. Persecuted, not abandoned. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. And I'm blessed beyond the curse because the promise endures. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's it. So take those five things, understand that you're dealing with three temptations. Fight the fight and win your war. Because I'm in my war. Pastor. Praise the Lord. So as, um, as we get ready to, to go, uh, I want to say a couple of things. And I know, I know, you know, we got to, if you have children or grandchildren, uh, pick those up uh, in the kids ministry because they're probably like uh, ready for you to pick them up. But listen to me. Um, I think last week I said, I'm not sure. I really don't want to start a series on warfare, but you have to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Um, So we started it. Now I'm sensing in my spirit that it's it's not going to be a short series. I mean, I really sense in my spirit this could be like a three-month series. Mm -hmm. Um, But here's the thing. Like, 
I'm just, I'm asking you, be consistent. Like, I get it. It's summer. You're going to go on vacation. I get all of that. But this is going to be a systematic teaching that uh, if you're not here, you need to still get the missing parts. They'll be online. But, you, you know, you can't, if it's systematic, you can't, you know, it's kind of like, let's just use a Netflix series, for instance. You don't watch episodes 1, 2, 7, and, and, and 14 and go, oh, I think I understand what's happening in the series. Like, you have to get every series to really catch what's going on. Please be consistent. I, I know you can't be here every Sunday, but be consistent in following this. Listen, Shay and I have been as uh, in our own personal warfare for quite, a, a, not the two of us at war, but in our family. We've been fighting some things in our family for years. And then in this church, uh, we've been fighting things for years. Like, dude, I am so tired of warfare. I am beyond over spiritual warfare. However, why are we... Uh, why would you even think that you would be being fought so hellishly if the enemy doesn't know the greatness of the calling and what God is trying to accomplish? So what do we do? After we have done all to, to stand, we stand, stand firm. firm. Yeah. And so it's like, man, I, even though I'm so tired of spiritual warfare, I'm like, I am standing firm and I will not give up. And God is our victor. And he says, I have overcome the world so you can overcome the world. So, like, dig in, pray with us through this series, and learn something. I really believe that some of you guys are going to see some great victories in your life. But you are also going to, uh, you're in the middle of a battle now. But you're going to experience some warfare. But I'm telling you. We're going to see some victories. We are going to see some victories. So uh, there's a lot of information for us to cover over the next however many weeks. But I really sense in my spirit that this is not like we don't gloss over series and teachings anyway. But I really sense that this is a deep time of study and revelation for this house. I hope you'll go there with us.